It is a uh, it is a slightly uh, somber moment that we are doing this podcast. We don't uh, we don't often uh, delve into politics, but given everything that's happening in Ukraine, and uh, it feels a little trivial to be talking about movies and DVDs and, and Blu-rays at the moment. So um, Tim and I do want to send our uh, our very best and, and our hearts go out to the people of Ukraine at this incredibly difficult point in time. Um, anyone who's listened to this podcast for a long time knows that you know Tim. Tim was in the service, and mm. and the Russians were always a, uh, a, a, a they were the bad guys when you were. I mean, you were on the front lines of the Cold War, and it, it feels like this is uh, a resurrection of that a little bit. Well, look, man, it's just you know, it's just you know, um, uh, my age at that particular time. I joined the Air Force in 1979. I was in the Air Force for six years, 1979, 1985. The central reason for the United States military at that time was to deter, uh, if if not uh, uh, debilitate, the Soviet threat. Uh, I, w- I, I served in missile uh, uh, nuclear missile silos in, uh, in Nebraska, North Dakota. Uh, I served on B-52s, Air, Com- Air Command bases, SAC, uh, SAC bases, uh, as we called them, uh, some TAC bases, Tactical Air Command bases. Uh, service uh, air, uh, aircraft on on the aircraft carriers. I served on the United the USS Enterprise. There were a whole bunch of enterprises. I served on the Nimitz class enterprise, and everything that I was doing for that entire period of time was about the Soviet threat. And what's funny is. Uh, we thought we won. <laughs> we, we, we did. Yeah. We literally thought we won. Yeah. And we, and, and, and I suppose that we did. Uh, 1989, the wall comes down. You and I talked, uh, we, we're, we're on the radio show, folks. You go listen to this week's film week. Uh, great movie we talk about. Servants. SCPR.org. Yeah. SPCR. Uh, and, and uh, servants we talk about. And, and servants, uh, is set in Czechoslovakia. 1980. You know, and this is the word Czechoslovakia. Nobody ever says that word anymore. You know, no, Czech, Czech Republic and Slovak, Czechoslovakia. Yeah. Slovakia. But when you and I were kids, kids, that yeah. was a country that appeared in all kinds of movies and TV shows. You know, I, I, mm-hmm. I think I said on the show, the whole bunch of Mission Impossibles yeah. <laughs> set in Czechoslovakia. And but it's not a word that comes out of uh, out of people's mouths anymore because it's a it's a place that literally doesn't exist anymore. But it did. And, um, you know, uh, everything that happened then in that police state, um, is, it's just bizarre to me that, that it is still, it is that in a certain sort of way, we're still fighting that old war, uh, uh, that old cold war, I should say. In a certain sort of way, that cold war never did really end. Well, you know, it's, it's, that's the danger of having people like Putin who, mm. uh, who were of a certain age when the Cold War ended and, uh, weren't able to let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Even older and, than me. Yeah. You know, so yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, it is a thing. And, you know, I mean, it, this is, this is a, this is a part of my life too. I mean, my, you know, my mother grew up under Hitler and then mm. fled the Russians. So Hitler and Stalin were the two boogeymen of her childhood. It's when her childhood ended. And, uh, you know, two, two of my mother's cousins committed suicide after being raped by Soviet soldiers. Um, on March 5th of this year, it will be the anniversary of when my mother fled her home and, and, uh, and ran from the Russians. So it's, that's coming up, you know, in, uh, in about a week. And that's, that's an ominous, uh, it's an ominous anniversary for me in particular. So. Mm. Well, you know, people listening to the Synagogues podcast when, right now, they get themselves, you know, whenever you put movies, you're out there, we're movies. Know. But here's the, the, this history that we're talking about right now. If you want to understand this history, one of the best places to go is to the movies. Uh, the history yep. of what we're talking about has been documented in movies since movies, uh, uh, since uh, Aquino 
since 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 since, 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 since the Russians started making movies. They actually started making movies before we did. Uh, and in all of that history um, it has been documented. And I, you and I were I was joking about Fiddler on the Roof. Um, uh, uh, but, you know, uh, when 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 uh, when homie tells him, you know, I, I get off my land, yeah. uh, the land that he's talking about is Ukrainian land. That's and who right. he's talking to is a Russian. Uh, that's, 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 that's literally right there in that movie. No, So, you know, uh, uh, what are you going to do? It's, uh, th- there's another movie I'd recommend to people too, which is kind of famous. It, it's the, it's the movie that took out the most ads for an Oscar nomination of any movie in history in the trades. Uh, it's the Finnish film Talvi Sota made in mm. 1987. They advertised in the trades every day for months and months and months. Didn't get a nomination, but it is a terrific film. Mm. It's the story of the Winter War, which took place after Hitler invaded Poland. Stalin figured the the, the eyes of the world were elsewhere, so he he attacked Finland. And the, those outnumbered Finns fought just like the Ukrainians are fighting now. They fought tooth and nail, and they mm. held the Russians back. And mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a tremendous film, and uh, you know it's very very timely. So I would I would urge any Ukrainians listening to. You know, think about think about the uh, the winter war in Finland. Think about the six day war in Israel. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of there are a lot of historical precedents for the the little outnumbered guy that that stands tall and and fights for fights for the homeland. Hey, people forget you know as we lamented our uh, the United States America's uh, uh, exit from Afghanistan and, and and we sort of went back and forth about that and again, <laughs> you know, and I get it, you know, it's a little messy thing going on, but I'm like. You know, the Russians <laughs> were in Afghanistan for yeah. three decades before us. And you know what happened to them? They got their asses kicked. Uh, and, <laughs> and they, and they, and they were sent home. And, and then, and you know, that Rambo movie, which, which one was yeah, that? It was uh, three. That was three. <laughs> you know, 1980, whatever the hell, notwithstanding. So, you know, um, great powers. Uh, they sometimes fall into these. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, you're foolish to think, hey, England, the United Kingdom. Yeah. Uh, and, and that Nazi blitzkrieg. Yeah. Uh, Ch- Churchill it, it didn't give a damn. <laughs> and, and the stuff, uh, stiff upper lip and all. What was the movie a couple of years ago? Churchill. Uh, yeah. Finest Hour. Finest Hour. Thank you very much. Uh, uh, yeah. You know, so, uh, so in the movies, uh, this history can be found in the movies. Uh, resolve can be found in the movies. Actual examples uh, of the re- rejection of totalitarianism can be found. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, so it's not so much of a silly conversation for us to ha- have here on the synagogue uh, show. Well, let's let's move into some news that we, you know, try try to try to elevate this a little bit. Uh, elevate it by going to obituaries. Uh. <laughs> so, on the last show, we did miss one, which was the passing of Jean Jacques Benex, the mm. great uh, the great Frank, uh, you know, the Frank Francophone filmmaker who uh, made such great films as Diva and Betty Blue and uh, IP Four, The Island of the Pachyderms, and some just really great, you know, uh, kind of some some of the more awesome movies of the eighties. As it happens, I had dinner with Benex once. Um, mm. My wife, you know, worked for uh, a bond company, completion bond company, for many years. And the uh, the head of the bond company 
who uh, you know is is actually all over uh, uh, Lost in La Mancha, the uh, the documentary, because he was you know that was that was skin off of his back at the time. But he used to be an agent. He used to be Jean Jacques Benex's agent. Mm. And when my wife was working for him, uh, he Benex and his wife were in town one day, and they were going to come over for dinner. And he said to us, he said, "Hey, Benex and his wife are coming over for dinner. Would you guys like to join us?" <laughs> I, I said, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, totally. Like for sure." And, um, so we had a wonderful, uh, dinner, just, you know, the, the six of us, a uh, little private, you know, home, home cooked dinner. And it was amazing. You know, it was, I was able to talk to Benex just like a person to person. He's just the sweetest man and so creative and, uh, so down to earth. And, uh, you know, it was, um, it was, it was a rare moment and I was, I was grateful for that. And, mm. and then we also lost Ivan Reitman. Oh, that was, man. that was unexpected. Died in his sleep. Yeah, yeah, you know, and, uh, and, and yeah, and, and you know, and Ivan, Ivan was up there, but nevertheless, just completely unexpected because he was so vibrant, Ivan, you know, and, and I mean, you, you could, there's, there's, there's all kinds of footage of Ivan out and about doing stuff, uh, putting together, if you look at, uh, Ivan's, uh, IMDb, uh, hell, Ivan's been dead two weeks and he still got 15 movies and <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> we, we got, we got, we got, we got one of them today. We got the new <laughs> Ghostbusters movie. We're talking about it today. I'm like I was still making movies. So you know, Ivan, I, who who was not born here, who was born where? Canada. If I'm not mistaken. Oh uh, no, what, Ivan right. was born in 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 in, in what we in you, in, Ukraine. Yugoslavia. Uh, oh, Ukraine. Was it Ukraine I, or Yugoslavia? No, it's it's something like that. He grew up in Canada. Hang on, yeah. let's find this out. Let's find this out. This but out. Ivan was born in one of the countries. Excuse me. That we were just talking about uh, 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 a moment ago, uh, and I don't think that I knew that. Uh, you know, back in Slovakia, the Slovakia, Slovakia. Yeah, you know, which of course yeah. would have been Czechoslovakia, Czechoslovakia when he was yep. born there. Um, yep. uh, uh, which I just think is absolutely fascinating. And uh, and then yeah, Canada, <laughs> and, uh, and 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 then and then and then here. And he was not really, you know, I haven't sort of came by directing. You know, you know, he's a producer first, you know, yeah. uh, and all yeah. that kind of stuff, you know. And then he was like, yeah, it's a directing thing. It doesn't, doesn't seem that complicated. <laughs> but, you, know? you know, I mean, you know, he, he made looks between Stripes and Ghostbusters and even stuff like Twins and Junior. Yeah. Uh, he just it, it's it's a great career. I mean, some of the funniest, sweetest, silliest movies of, of that period, especially the 80s. And Ghostbusters alone gets you in the record books. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even want to get into his producing career. It's just ridiculous. And, and, oh, and, 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 and yeah, I was serious about all those movies that are still in, in, in various stages of production because Ivan Reichman was shepherded. You know, he didn't tap out. He just kept on going yeah uh, and then uh, hey man may i be so lucky man so let's let's talk about Academy Awards. Uh, Sal, first, Sal, Sally, Sally Kellerman, though. Oh, and Sally Kellerman, yes. Sally Kelly, it, it was just like yesterday, uh, I, you know, or something like that. Maybe day before yesterday. And 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 because you know, hey, look, um, uh, Hot Lips, the original Hot Lips, Hulan. We yeah. think about the TV show and Al Nolder and and uh, uh, Loretta Swit and all those folks, and that's great, that's wonderful. But her, Sally Kellerman, she was the original. Uh, uh, in, in, in that movie and in so many other wonderful films, uh, made better by her presence, even though we don't necessarily think about her in those movies, you know, uh, but Sally Kellerman, Kellerman was there. And for the life of me, I once, I was a moderator, uh, for some panel, 
um, for for that Roddy Dangerfield field film she was in, uh, back to back to back school. to school, back to school. I they, do. They screened yeah. that, and Sally Kellerman came out. And Rodney Dangerfield. This is Rodney was still alive. He came out, and and uh, and uh, and I was the moderator for this wacky panel, uh, sitting literally between Rodney Dangerfield oh, and, and Sally Kellerman. And you know, I just thought this is just the most strange and wonderful thing <laughs> that, that has ever happened. Had to be so. Anyway, lo- love me some Sally Kellerman. Sally Kellerman, also also legendary fixture in the history of Star Trek. She oh yeah, and, you know it, where where no man has gone before. That was yeah. I mean. Oh, that's so sad. Really mm. sad loss. We should also mention that as long as we're going to, before we get into the Oscars, the, uh, the Air Talk Film Week 20th annual Oscar preview show mm. is back live again. So Tim and mm. I will be on stage with the other Film Week critics at the Ace, uh, theater at the Ace Hotel on Sunday, March 20th from mm. one o'clock to three o'clock PM. That's Sunday, March 20th, the Ace Theater in downtown LA, one to three PM. All of us on stage again for the first time in two years talking about the Oscars. And uh, you can go to kpcc.org uh, to get tickets. And uh, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm trying to think, let's see here. The actual page is axs.com uh, uh, backslash events backslash 421714. Mm. And that'll, that, that should get you there. But either way, if you just look for, uh, you know, Film Week 20th Annual Oscar Preview, at the Ace Hotel, that'll uh, that'll get you there, and uh, there are tickets on sale. So, if anybody's listening, we'd we'd love to see you there, and uh, you know, have mm. a, feel like life is getting to be a little bit normal again. Uh, other than that, Tim, what do you think about the Oscar nominations? Well, you know, um, here, what are we looking at here? Of all these movies, I think um, uh, one of them, maybe two, it's a little hard to tell. Actually, made uh, a buck and a half at the box. Dune made actually Dune Dune did well. And, uh, and Dune was nominated for everything except director. Apparently, it directed itself. It's it's one of those situations that you know, the Academy, you know, with, this, with the ten and one and the five and the other, and what are you going to do? It, uh, yeah, kind of goofy. Um, uh, and then I look at uh, some of these other ones. So, I, like uh, Power of the Dog, this is one that everybody has been talking about, and you know, Campy and Jane, love me some Jane. But here's the deal: um, Power of the Dog, it, even even if you like it quite a lot, it's Jane Campion's fifth best film. I agree. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. her, it's literally her fifth best film. You have to watch all of the other ones first. Piano, start wherever you want. I'm a Bright Star guy. Yeah, I love Bright Star. Uh, and then yeah. you know, the Sweetie Angel. And oh, you got to go through all of those films. And then maybe you watch Power to Dog. So, so because, you know, if, if, if you know, unless you already know that canon, there's no point in starting with this. Yeah. Um, if we're talking about Campion, you know? So, so, I, you know, that, I don't know. I just, but everybody just seems to be, you know, I, and I like Benedict in that film. Uh, but no, you know, um, if we're talking about Jane Campion, then we're talking about the piano or we're not talking. Yeah. And I, uh, I think it's interesting. There are only four films that are nominated for picture, director, screenplay that, that, that kind of hit all of the, all of the key categories that should make you eligible uh and that's drive my car power of the dog um belfast and um uh licorice pizza Mm -hmm. now licorice pizza is only nominated for paul thomas anderson it's got no acting nominations so i take that out of the picture i think i take drive my car out because it's a three-hour japanese film it's not Mm -hmm. it's that's not gonna be so that to my mind for for best picture leaves power of the dog versus belfast and I think because Power of the Dog is a Netflix movie, 
and basically just a revenge film and Jane Campion's fifth best film, <laughs> I don't I don't think it stands a chance. Mm. Belfast is heartfelt. It's it's his 400 blows. Is it Kenneth Branagh's best film? No, it's probably like his fifth best film too. But he's also never won anything. Jane Campion has an Oscar for the for writing the piano. Mm-hmm. Branagh does not have an Oscar. But you know what Branagh d- did do this year? This blew my mind. Even the Academy didn't figure this out on their little sidebars where they mention all the records that have been broken and this and the first person and fifth person this and that. They missed it. Somebody else figured this out. Kenneth Branagh this year became the first person in history to be Oscar nominated in seven different categories. Really? Yes. (laughs) Did you figure this out? Did you figure this out? I didn't figure it out. Somebody else mentioned it. I read this somewhere else. I was like, really? Seven? What is he, a cinematographer and a composer? What the, what the hell? What seven could he possibly be nominated for? Because I, you know, I'm obviously actor and director and, and, no, and no, producer. No. Here we go. Here we go. Producer this yeah. year, obviously, for Belfast, yeah. right? He's been nominated. He's nominated again this year for director and has been as director before. Yeah. He was previously nominated for Best Adapted Screenplay. Okay. For uh, like uh, for Henry V. Yeah, okay. This is an original screenplay, okay. so he's now got a, a screen. Okay, that's four. Okay. Now here are the other categories he's been nominated for: Best Actor, mm-hmm. Best Supporting Actor. Which one best, was that? That was, I think, for um. Uh, oh, was uh, that was it that thriller? Uh, no, it was the, it was the Nolan film. It was uh, Dunkirk. I think. He's oh, oh, okay. For Dunkirk. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So he's been, but he's supporting actor. And then that's six, mm-hmm. seven best short film. Oh well, that one I would have never in the you win. What, what, you, it, what, like, like years seven, ago? No, like seven, eight, nine, ten years ago. About really? it was like, okay. like mid, like two thousand eight, nine, ten, somewhere in there. He was nominated for uh, for for best short film. Okay, that's the one so, that completely escaped me. Uh, I know, I but still. Seen. Kind of amazing. First person, seven different categories. It's never happened before. So part of me feels like, you know what, Branna's, he's had a good year. He's kind of having a resurgence with these Agatha Christie movies. Um, you know, I, I kind of feel like Belfast may wind up being the movie to beat. And we're talking best picture, best director. Best picture. I think Campion's going to get director. Campion director, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. see, see, to me, I, I think the dark horse there is, 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 is the film uh, for best picture is the film whose director is not nominated and it's King Richard. Um, uh, 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 it's, you know, it, it, it's the, it's it the is. green, what's, what was that movie? Green. And we're going to, and we are going to talk about, we are going to talk about King Richard today because it's, yeah. it's out on disc, but, yeah. but, um, now uh, Ronaldo's I, not, he's, but then again, they might give it, they might give, they might give best actor to Will, thus covering Will's definitely himself. it. I uh, think they will. I think, I think Will, you know, cause we talked about Will on that colorism thing when it kind of became an issue when he first optioned the property. Oh yeah. And people were all over him and saying, you're not dark enough to, no, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, Richard yeah, Williams yeah. and all that. And that, and then that kind of went away. And yeah. I think after seeing the film, everybody is like, is, is okay with it now because he's so good. He captures the spirit of the man. Um, uh, but, but yeah, I think he's going to win for sure. I think he's due. I think this is, this is his career moment. You know, he's, he's, he's got that down. So I think they probably cover themselves there, mm. but let's now talk about taking eight categories out and sticking them, uh, in the basement. Oh, so that they're, goodness. they're awarded ahead of time. Um, everybody hates this. This is, uh, this is the doing, this is the last swan song of, of Don Hudson, who's the outgoing CEO and her COO. Uh, Christine Simmons, who has no movie experience. She came from the LA Sparks and Pepsi and a whole lot of corporate marketing things. And I think they conjured this up in, in tandem with the ABC, uh, ad execs and no one is happy with it. 
So, I mean, it's, it's disrespectful, especially to the short categories, but mm. particularly editing. Come on, editing and sound and, you know, score. There's, a, there's a score for crying out loud. Uh, <laughs> the, composers are ta- the composers are talking about boycotting the ceremony. Like all, <laughs> the, all the nominated composers are there saying, screw it, I'm not going. How do you even do that with score? Because usually with, with, with score, uh, you, we would hear the scores across, across the, you know, a uh, little bit of each one of the scores. Or, yeah. Across yeah. The, and then you reward the whole thing. It's just insane. It, it's all nutty. And of course, um, um, it, it has to do with the push and pull between uh, a desire on the part for the academy to get numbers, uh, you know, actual, get the ratings up, ratings up. Yeah. And, 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 and of course, the, the, the intention, um, that the members of the academy uh, have, which is to honor their own, you know, that, that's that's literally what they're doing, um, uh, and and those two things uh, don't go together. No, um, uh, uh, and and, and I, you have to pick one or the other, and I think that what you, I think you, you're going to have to sacrifice. Look, the audience is going is smaller and smaller anyway. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't know movies. what you do about it. Make you better movies. You you work with the studios. You make better movies. You you talk about how you. I mean, look the the the, the most popular Oscar cast. It had nothing to do with how long the show was. It's about the movies that are nominated. It was when E. T. and Titanic were nominated. It's the only time more than fifty million people watched that show mm-hmm. was when E. T. and Titanic were nominated, and there were fewer people that back then. So uh, I I think they just need and, 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 and fewer distractions uh, and you know, fewer distractions. Yeah, yeah, you know, in in terms of the rest of media, in in, in, in yes, um, 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 but 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 you have to have a situation I think where the movies that are being nominated are movies that real people in the wor- real world you know have yeah, seen care about and, and care, care about. about and uh and and to that end you know the Academy itself has got to decide, look I love Drive My Car. I really appreciate it. You and I talked about it on the radio show, but yeah. I know, but I know very well that nobody within literally a hundred miles, not a hundred miles, literally 20 miles of me right now, where I'm sitting now, there's no one within 20 miles of me who's seen drive my car. I, I, would, I, would, I would be very confident in saying that. And, yep. and, and, uh, and I'm, I'm, and I'm pretty sure it's true. Um, uh, and, and so, so, so I have to ask myself now the other year, a couple of years ago, what, who, what won parasite? I think it was parasite. Yeah, Korean two years ago was Parasite, which is a different kind of film, still a foreign film, but a different kind of uh, Korean film, uh, and it was uh, much, more much more commercial, much more commercial. It was a commer- yeah. it was a commercial hit in Korea. It was a commercial yeah. hit, um, and uh, and 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 and, um, but still, it was fairly obscure to your regular walking around True. everyday kind of person. Now, people discovered it after the Oscars after, because of the and then 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 on Amazon and all of that. Now, it, it's, as I poke drive my car, I have to say. That for me, at least, licorice pizza would live in the same spot. Because in, in, in reality, if you're not a part of, of a fairly rarefied uh, community. Oh, yeah, um, that's true. Uh, you know, licorice pizza is obscure to most everyday walking around people, as is drive my car. Um, if you were not living in Los Angeles in the 1970s, 90% of licorice pizza will make no sense to you. you literally, <laughs> jokes no that, are, that are really, really funny are, yeah. will mean nothing to most people, no. most people watching that movie. Yeah, and It's, and, it's and, very inside baseball. So, you know, so I can poke drive my car, but I got to poke licorice pizza too. And, 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 and but then am I, what are we saying? Are we saying that, you know, uh, that, that, that uh, what was the Bond movie? Um, uh, no, oh, uh, no Time, no time to, die. to Die. Uh, should no time to buy, die be nominated for best picture right now? It made money too. Yeah. Um, uh, relatively, the speaking. studios. Bottom line is the studios need to make mid-level, big-budget movies like they used to. 
They just do. They need to, they need to get back to making the kinds of movies that get Oscar nominations and win. And Dune is a good start, but you know, they, they need to, they just need to step it up and the Academy's got to work with them to do it. Yeah. I'm not sure. Look, if it's, if it's, if you're just talking to me, that Dune slot, uh, Dune shouldn't be nominated for the category. No, I, I hear you. I hear you. I think it should be down to five nominees again. Let me just say, of the categories that they're crapping on uh, with the shorts, there are some certain there are some things that really bother me about the the way that they're approaching this. For example, we talked about all the shorts on the radio just a few days ago. Yeah, and and uh, you know it's it's a mixed bag. Like the animated films, eh, you know. Uh, the, the, the live action short films, I was part, I'm thinking, you know, boy, we picked the wrong year to not be in the mix. Cause we would have won this year. It's really a weak field. It's a weak field. Yeah. Um, and, but the, 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 the documentary shorts are tremendous. They're tremendous, Real especially good. the simplest one, which is probably going to win. I mean, I'm, you know, you never know with shorts, but it's your favorite. It's, 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 it's a uh, queen of basketball. Yeah. About Lucy. Yeah. Now, now, I mean, you're, here's a chance to honor a movie, I mean, after the whole Oscar so white thing and inclusion and diversity and all of the stuff that the Academy has been trying to get this monkey off its back, and you have a chance this year to honor the only woman ever nominated, ever drafted into the mm-hmm. NBA, mm-hmm. a legendary black female athlete, mm-hmm. Lu- Lucia Harris, in a short documentary produced by Shaquille O'Neal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you are going to shuttle that off the live show. You are not going. You have a chance to put Shaquille O'Neal on live television, standing next to the podium when 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 a film wins an Academy Award, and you've decided no, for the sake of ratings, we're not going to let Shaquille O'Neal possibly be live on television. No, it's insane. And that's idiotic. Yeah, and you know we haven't absolutely decided that film is going to win, but it's probably going to win. It's probably going to win because it is, in fact, that good. And that would be just a beautiful, beautiful sort of platform and stage and, and to, uh, and, and, you know, to have all of that sort of go down. And, you know, Lucy, you know, it, it just did the whole, the whole shebang. Um, I, 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 I just, just don't, I don't understand. The, 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 I mean, the, the chance that it's going to happen is worth putting it on the live show. Exactly. And, and, and the fact that they've just forsworn that and said, you know what? Um, Shaquille O'Neal may want to, you know, walking up to, to co-collect an Academy Award, but we're, we're not even going to, we're, we'd rather just c- totally shine that off. We'd rather have the, the Twitter award. Like everybody vote for, you know, on Twitter what their favorite. Like, <laughs> I, I just don't, yeah, that's nuts. it's going to be an, it's an embarrassing. I'm actually urging everyone to go on Twitter <laughs> and to vote for whatever your favorite film is to, instead of vote for your favorite film, vote for the eight categories that they're crapping on. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. I, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. And anyway. I don't know. It's it's a. We're, what are we? We're back at the. Um, we're back at the theater in Hollywood. Uh, what's the theater in Hollywood now? It's a, is it the Kodak. Uh, what's, what do they call it? Now? Oh, it's the Kodak. Yes, back Kodak. The, it's, it's the Kodak now. Back yeah, yeah. Kodak. I, I, it was a Dolby for a moment. Yeah, for a moment. I guess they're doing the whole. You know, close off the streets. Build the build the. Um, the grandstands, a red carpet arriving in the limos thing that we've done for years. We're, we're back to it. I think we're back to that, right? Um, so, you know, uh, I, that might be a reason for people to, to, to tune in to see, to see the sort of, uh, you know, grandeur of the thing in and of itself again. But, you know, uh, I don't know, three hosts, uh, Wanda, uh, who do we got now? We got, we got, yeah, Amy uh, Sh- Amy Schumer, Amy Schumer and Wanda, and uh, and who's the and, name? Uh, uh, no, it's, uh, it's Trevor, uh, Trevor Noah. No, no, it's not Trevor Noah. It's no, uh, no. what's her name? Oh gosh, the, oh, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's another comic Wanda, actress. Comic Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, um, um, uh, sister, what's your name from from those movies? I forget what her name is. Uh, yeah, yeah, but you know, yeah. 
Yeah, but well, like right either, either way, I can't. I can't I, the fact that I can't remember is indicative. I, I, let me just say. Let me just say. If they cared about ratings, if they cared about ratings, they would do one of two things. They'd go back to Kevin Hart and say, <laughs> "We're sorry, sorry, sorry about that. You, 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 you've had some real hit movies, and and we love you, and and this will be a really great thing. It's like the redemption of Kevin Hart. We've come back to you." Or if they really cared about ratings and didn't care about Twitter and and controversy and mm-hmm. thought that let's just go for let's just throw a hail mary, man, let's just do it. Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Dave Chappelle. <laughs> Get Dave Chappelle to host the Oscars. You know, you know what's, you know what's funny to me? Uncensored. Uncensored Dave Chappelle. To me, I would I would actually go to the well and drag Billy Crystal's old ass. I back out onto the stage. Uh, Billy I, Crystal hosted that show, like, what, how many times in a row back? What's this oh, like? it was like seven, eight, nine, something seven, eight like that. It, it was, yeah. And I, 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 I love it. It was just all fantastic when Billy Crystal or or, or I Regi- or Regina Siri. Hall, Regina Hall, Regina thank Hall. You. Thank yeah. you, Regina Hall, who's yeah. who's lovely, but I, yeah. I just don't, you know, yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, yeah lovely. But, yeah, but yeah. or or you know what, Ricky Gervais, go Ricky. for Ricky. Ricky was fun. Ricky. Oh my gosh, Ricky! Ricky to go from Golden Globes to the Oscars and let him be uncensored too—that would bring the ratings. So any of those are, are good choices, you know. Uh, any of those, I, I even think Jerry Seinfeld. I've always thought Seinfeld would be a great host. Well, you know, or go back to the—it used to be the the host wasn't about uh, a comedian or somebody funny. Would you know who was it? David Niven or or, or, yeah. or Charlton Heston or you know? I mean, I think the first you know sort of demonstrably funny host. Yeah, I mean, you'll know better. It was Bob me. Hope. It was Bob Hope, right? Yeah. You know, yeah, and, and, but, you know, for a long time, it was like, you know, the people of stature. Frank Capra hosted it back in the 30s. You know, you know. Yeah. Uh, so, I don't know. I don't know. The equivalent might be yeah. Denzel Washington. Maybe I guess he can't host it if he's, but you know what I'm saying? It, 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 yeah. it was people hey, of yeah. stature. And, uh, and it wasn't about yeah. being funny. You know, we're going to be we're doing a serious show about well, some serious shit. <laughs> once, once this academy management is gone, once they clean house, hopefully they get they they buck up and they get some new some new blood in there and really really clean house and and make some tough choices. But anyway, <laughs> well let's 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 get into DVDs yeah, and Blu-rays. Yeah, yeah. The, the world is the world is better than uh, it appears at the moment. So I want to I want to knock out some uh, some some really really great PBS documentaries here first. I'm just going to go through these fairly quickly. Um, these are all great. I mean, really, really great stuff. So, um, P- from PBS, Tulsa, the fire and the forgotten, a centennial exploration of the 1921 race massacre. Yeah. Tulsa massacre. Absolutely excellent. This is from, uh, WNET group, uh, who just produced the hell out of these things along with say book productions and, uh, and, and, you know, and, uh, some others, but produced and, and distributed, uh, d- produced and directed by uh, Jonathan Silvers, who is, I don't know as a, as a documentarian, but absolutely tremendous. Um, it's a wonderful exploration, not just of the event itself, but the history since what's changed, what hasn't changed. It's a, it's a, it's absolutely beautiful. It's a, it's powerful, uh, powerful film, 90 minutes long, absolutely the perfect length. Uh, a front line. I just don't know what they do at front line that, that they never miss a beat, but the yeah, virus man. that shook the world, the virus that shook the world is, is just tremendous. They shot this thing in 21 different countries, 21 different crews. Um, just looking at everything to do about COVID-19, its geopolitical impact. Uh, it's, it's, it's really, really powerful. It's almost three hours long and it doesn't feel an, a, a second of it. It just blows right by. And, uh, and much has changed since they even made this, but really, uh, yeah. if you want to kind of, if you're willing to relive it a little bit, 
That's tremendous. It's not, yeah, work your uh, way through that history. It's a hell of a, that's a hell of a piece, man. That is a hell of oh, a piece. Oh, it's, it's a, it's a hell of a piece. Uh, Finding Your Roots with Henry Louis Gates Jr. Yeah. is, is another wonderful WETA Washington DC production. Uh, you know, just doing what, what, what Dr. Gates does, which is, <laughs> Look, talking to celebrities and telling them where they came from, and who's, uh, who's, who's, who's he get out of? Who's, who's Glenn Close? Oh, Roseanne I saw that Ka- one. I saw that right. One. Glenn Close, Roseanne Cash, uh, Jim Gaffigan, Don Lemon, Maria Hinojosa, uh, John Lithgow, Jane Lynch, Audra McDonald, who by oh, the yeah. way is tr- who is tremendous right now on the Gilded Age. If you haven't watched yeah. the Gilded Age, oh yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. She's Gilded she's so she's really good on it. Good, uh, good to- storyline too, by the way. Yeah. Really good storyline. Tony Shalhoub and Farrell Williams. I saw the, I saw, I saw most of those, but the Tony Shalhoub was absolutely hysterical. It's great, right? Yeah, it's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it it's, yeah. it's very, it's very, it, it's just wonderful. I mean, these are this just so much fun. It makes you want to go do your own family research. Uh, Citizen Hearst, America's first media mogul. This is an American experience documentary, obviously about William Randolph Hearst. Mm-hmm. It's the real life Citizen Kane, and uh, what a story! It is. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it's actually more amazing than Citizen than uh, uh, Citizen Kane suggests, but it is. It's tremendous. This is really, really excellent. Uh, it, it's long. I mean, it's nearly four hours, and it just it's packed with all the madness of his life. It really is. Yeah. America after nine eleven is another frontline uh, doc. This is uh, just near just under two hours and uh, pretty tough to to watch. It's kind of an ongoing a work in progress about the way the world has changed and, and the ways in which we don't necessarily see the shadow of nine 11, where it may still be how, how nine 11 still impacts our lives and all of these, these mm-hmm. kinds of uh, covert ways. It's really, really tremendous. Um, got a Blu-ray doc here from Ken Burns, uh, Muhammad Ali. And yeah. it is, uh, you know, this is long, like, if you've got a day to burn, this is nearly eight hours of intense Muhammad Ali. And it's not just Muhammad Ali and his fights and his life. And, you know, when he was Cassius Clay and when he wouldn't, you know, enlist in the military, he wouldn't, wouldn't be drafted to Vietnam and all of those things. But it's also what he represented mm-hmm. at a particular point in time culturally. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, I could, you and I could probably speak to this, uh, extensively. Because it was, you know, we grew up in that, in that moment yep. when, when the world was just changing. And, you know, I remember my, my father would never refer to him as Muhammad Ali. Okay, always Clay. refer to him as Cassius Clay. But, but it was, it was out of reverence because my father, when he was Cassius Clay, he just, he, he drew my father's admiration on an unbelievable level. And my father was, you know, born in the, in the 19th, in the 18th, uh, the 19th century. Uh, and so my father came from, you know, what was just borderline reconstruction era South, right? Mm-hmm. It was really a very segregated moment. And, uh, for my father to, to suddenly admire more than anyone else in the media world, this fairly militant black man was, was quite a stretch, you it, know? It, 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 it reflected. It was a change. Exactly. And what, this is what's interesting. My grandfather. Who would have been around your father's age, right? Just relatively yeah. speaking, uh, he he wouldn't call him Muhammad Ali either. He he <laughs> he, he, he called him Cassius Clay, yeah. uh, and because he 
both black. We're all black here, right? But he yeah. was from a very particular cult, Southern Tennessee, uh, like the, you know, the, the Southern Baptist. Uh, that you know, yep. that boy, his mama called him. You know, I can hear him now. His mama called him Cassius. Right. <laughs> so right. I'm calling him Cassius, and that's all. And, and, and the, the whole thing, Nation of Islam, and all kind of stuff. It, by the time, though, Muhammad Ali, uh, middle seventies, uh, Thriller Manila, and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. Then he started calling him. Muhammad Ali, yeah, uh, which was a, he, he 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 won him over, and you know, it, I I think my father might have as well. I mean, my father passed in seventy eight, but I think he I think he may have turned that corner too. If I if I think back, but but it was it was quite a thing, you know. I remember because you know my father l- loved boxing, but when when he was a kid, boxing was a thing that that people like Jack Dempsey did. Yeah. You know, it's those, it was those, those, those white guys that did it bare knuckle and they did that pose with the, with the, fist, <laughs> yeah. the curled fist, yeah. right? It was, and it, it was, you know, Sonny Liston yeah. kind of, he, he opened it up. It was, he, you know, he made it a, 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 a multiracial thing and said, you know what? You, you, boxing is for, is for everybody. Yeah. And, and then, you know, then it started to change. And, uh, Muhammad, but Muhammad Ali took it into a political place where you would have thought that it would have alienated a lot of people, especially people of my father's generation. Yeah. But the fact that he went out there and he said, I am the greatest, there was, there was ego and there was yeah. bravura and there was a fearlessness about owning who you were. Anyway. Ken Burns up. gets it all. Good movie. Yeah. Watch it. It's it's a it's eight hours, man. It's Ken it's Burns just going the well ten. deep and hard. But it's it really is. It's it is it's just so tremendously good. Um also here, discovering your warrior spirit with DJ Vanus. Might sound a little bit uh, a little bit new agey or so, but it really is um it's a it's a it's a great way to kind of look at yourself in t- through a different prism. Look at your talents through a different prism and and find that best part of yourself. And it, it all kind of it does it through sort of Native American uh, traditions and, and ideas and practices. It's really a, it's a very, very interesting. Uh, um, it, it's good. It's worth yeah. watching. Uh, Mysteries of Mental Illness, exploring the evolution in understanding mental illness is is also highly recommended. Mental illness is still a, a mystery to most of us. But there, there are four different uh, episodes here that uh, that go into all these different frontiers of, of the mind and what we know and what we don't know. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's helpful, especially if you have a loved one that might be suffering. Uh, Downing of a flag, the, uh, the story of a symbol that has haunted American democracy for over 150 years. This is all about the Confederate battle flag. Yeah. Let us remember, not the Confederate flag. What it, the stars and bars was not the flag of the Confederate States. Their flag was this ugly, unremarkable thing that nobody would ever uh, bat an eye at. But it's the battle flag that is so controversial, and and it's why it is controversial because what what a lot of those southern states were putting on their state flags and and flying along their side their state flags was not the Confederate flag; it was a battle flag. Right. Yep. yep. Which 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 suggests that the war is still ongoing, and and that's the intimation that made this thing so uh, so controversial. And anyway, this gets to you know the South Carolina removal in 2015. Uh, of the flag and, and all that stuff. So anyway, good it's, it's good a history. It's a history. It's good history. And, uh, and then we got a thing here called, um, uh, Professor T crime is his obsession. Oh yeah. This is also, this is also PBS. Uh, but, but this is, you know, um, it's a good series. 
it's a good series. This is dramatic. It's not a documentary. Yeah, I just no, want to no. put it in with the yeah. with the PBS stuff. But yeah, it's it's a uh, it's it's a good uh, good little kind of interesting intellectual um, detective crime semi procedural thing with some with some good performances in it. So uh, rec- give that a recommendation too. And then uh, some non PBS docs that I want to give mention to Ooh, uh, yeah. Brian Wilson, Brian Wilson, Long Promised Road oh, yeah. oh, about yeah. uh, the 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 genius of the Beach Boys and some great in- interviews here. This is on Blu-ray. Bruce Springsteen, Bruce Springsteen, Elton John, Linda Perry, uh, a lot of great people. Gustavo mm. Dudamel, they're all interviewed on this thing. I mean, excellent, thorough, very very uh, uh, complete look at the genius of Brian Williams and uh, uh, Brian Wilson. Sorry, and all of the um, uh, all, all the, the the demons that he brought with him. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Prisms and Portraits, the films of Rosine Mabakum. Oh yeah. Had you ever heard of Rosine Mabakum? I had. Yeah. Yeah. I had never heard of her. I was. This is this is completely new to me. Uh, but wonderful, wonderful documentary film. She's she's uh, from Cameroon. She works in Belgium and has made some wonderful documentaries. And Icarus has put them together on uh, on on one complete set. And there's some wonderful stuff here. The two faces of a Bamileke woman, which gets into basically her, um, her, her Cameroonian identity. And she's trying to reconnect with that and, and sort of explore it. Uh, Delphine's prayers, which is, uh, this, this absolutely devastating portrait of a woman in Cameroon who, uh, who had to turn to, uh, prostitution in order to just make ends meet. Awful, horrible. But but ultimately, yeah. uh, very very life affirming uh, movie. Some really wonderful stuff here. Yeah, so she's, anyway, she's a very young woman. She's only in her forties. These are all very contemporary films. Last five, ten, fifteen years. No, nah, not fifteen years. Uh, five, ten years. Really, all those films you're talking about. I see that Mahalia Jackson documentary. Man. Yeah, I, I watched that one. That was really really good. Beautiful. I think I think she gets overshadowed a lot too, you know, because she was a contemporary with so many other um, uh, gospel singers and other great singers that were sort of in her same in her same space that that people kind of you know they, they overlook her uh, yeah. too often. But but what a what a tremendous lady! I mean, you know, a, a long beautiful career and um, a part of so many wonderful historical uh, moments. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah class in a lot of the movies too she's in the imitation of life she's in st louis blues Mahalia yeah. jackson uh the best man uh, she's in you know she, she interesting uh self-career Mahalia jackson love that yeah i and also was, saw i'm sorry i was gonna say that's that was emmy nominated by the way and that's that's also not a documentary but we're, yeah, we're nodding no. it in here yeah. with that um, I also saw yeah. Gorbachev.heaven. Heaven. Did you see that one? Boy, oh. that is that is talk about timely, right? Man, oh man, oh man, these things keep coming back around. I just really, he's I, I guess he's like what 98, 99 or something like that. Uh is he the, that old now? Yeah, wow. at the making of at the making of this movie. How uh, sad he must be. It's well, you know, it's an interesting thing. Uh there are only two people on screen in that whole movie. One of them is him, and the other one is Vladimir Putin. He's not interviewed, but in the background, um, Vladimir is on uh, a number of screens uh, during New Year's and whatever, giving those speeches that he gives. And and, uh, and Gorbachev is like watching Vladimir, and then the Batali, the guy who did, did made this movie, yeah. uh, is, is asking Gorbachev questions about, uh, about Putin. Uh, and uh, and it's really really interesting. He's old as fuck. He can barely move, but his mind is sharp. His mind yeah. is sharp, uh, and he's very clear on the history of things. So uh, a hell of a film. Watch it now uh, because there's a straight through line from uh from, oh boy from, is there right till today. Yes, sir. 
Tim Whirlybird. Oh, talking man. About this on the radio. Yeah. We, get to sat, we get to now say the things we couldn't say on the radio. Um, <laughs> Bob uh, Tour, so, man. Bob, this, and we were, you know, we saw this. When this guy started, Bob Tour was a helicopter pilot, pilot uh, yeah. back in, what, the middle 90s until yep. whenever. And uh, he was one of the first guys to sort of do that um, uh, yeah, you know, crazy helicopter pilot thing. They, um, they, 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 were, they, they became famous. He and his, he and his wife, uh, Marika Gerard, uh, Marika Gerard, they, they became famous because they had this helicopter. They were, they were like flying around. I think it was rented at the time. They didn't own yeah. the helicopter, but they're getting all of this aerial footage and then they're selling it, right? I mean, they were freelance news videographers. Yeah. And so you get something great. You get a high speed chase. You sell it to somebody or, you know, you, you're making money that way. And they eventually became incredibly successful because they were the ones that found OJ in the Bronco mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. that footage just went nuclear. And this is about that incredibly toxic uh, marriage of theirs. And their, their daughter, by the way, is a very successful um, uh, Katie, Katie tour. Katie tour is uh, well, a very yeah, successful yeah, journalist right now. MSNBC, I think that's right. And, yeah. and, uh, and, and, uh, and, and, you know, Bob, um, whose name now is, because uh, Bob, Zoe, who Bob went through, uh, he transitioned. Bob, transition, yeah, that's what they call it, right? Transition. And, and right? this is and this is what was dumb. So Tim and I are reviewing this on Film Week, and we're going to talk. And and we were told, oh yeah, no, no, we're, we're our policy is we're not, we can't dead name. We're like, but Bob <laughs> is all over the documentary, yeah, as Bob, yeah, and Zoe is interviewed, in which Zoe says, "When I was Bob." And like everyone in the documentary says Bob like 900,000 times. Yeah. And you're telling us that in reviewing the movie about Bob Tur, we can't say Bob Tur. Yeah, that's ballsy. It's ridiculous. It's like, oh, come on. It's stop. ridiculous. And, 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 and of course, <laughs> effectively, what we are are reporters. We're yeah. reporters. We're journalists. Yeah. yeah. And, 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 and this is just journalistic correctness. It's, it's, it's all we're engaging in. Uh, there's a, there was a man named Bob Tour who became a woman named Zoe Tour. Uh, But we're going to refer to them, those people, in the context of that time, what they were called by. That's all we were talking about doing. But it was completely bananas. The movie, that movie is um, a kind of interesting movie about about a very interesting period um, um, that uh, that we actually both sort of lived through in terms of what they were actually doing. Oh, constantly. You know, the fires and the, um, uh, you know, it was a lot of Bob Tour. Tour, yep. uh, up there in the uh, doing sort of interesting, interesting sort of interesting sort of thing, man. Uh, five more do- or six more docs, real quickly here. The uh, from the Milestone Collection, Mystery of Picasso, uh, which is the the famous film by uh, Henri Georges Clouseau, which uh, you know the legendary French director Clouseau, and uh, this was you know it, basically he was very good friends with Picasso, and in, in 1955. They they wanted to capture. They worked. Got, wanted to get together and sort of show his process, and that's what this film is. Mm. Um, it was released in 1956, and it's only 78 minutes long. But it is maybe the best film ever about who Picasso really was in the moment of his creativity. Yeah. Uh, Harry Chapin, When in Doubt, Do Something, is a beautiful doc about Harry Chapin. I love Harry Chapin. He was one of the great balladers of you know the 60s and 70s, along with. Uh, um, who else? Uh, Gordon Lightfoot, yeah. and uh, uh, you know there there were just so many from that that period. 
Um, and Harry Chapin did, you know, Cats in the Cradle, which is one of my all time favorite songs. I can't listen to it without, without crying. Um, and, uh, a lot of people interviewed here from Billy Joel to Pat Benatar to Harry Belafonte to Pete Seeger and Bruce Springsteen again. Um, Bob Geldof always shows up and stuff. But what's, what's funny about this is, you know, he, Harry Chapin, his brothers were, were like a great singing group. Mm. and very talented and harry was the one who couldn't sing like harry was the, <laughs> the odd one out and then like harry we just can't we can't you, you, you're not good enough and so he went out on his own and found his own voice and became the biggest star of all and, mm. and was such a human guy would give would give the shirt off his back to anybody didn't care about whether he was losing money he was just he was party to so many great causes it, it was never about the money to him he would have impoverished himself to do the right thing. A really remarkable mm. guy who wrote some some of the greatest songs of all time. It's beautiful. Harry died young, of course, only only thirty eight. Yes, back he in nineteen eighty one. So sad. Um, a doc here called "Women Composers: A Cinematic Search for Their Lives in Music" by Kiris uh, Steckaway and Tim Van Beveren. Uh, this is the story of three amazing female composers you probably never heard of: Fanny Hensel, Lily Boulanger, and Mel Bonis. Um, it's a, it, it's terrific. I mean, as a father of a daughter, this is the kind of thing you really want yeah. your daughter to see because it is a routine thing where my daughter says, do only boys get to, mm. do only men get to, mm. and you don't want your daughters growing up thinking that there's something walled off to them. Mm-hmm. And so I am grateful for, for docs like this that sort of say, no, you know what? There are some women can compose too. And, uh, I'm going to save that one till last. The truffle hunters. Did you see the truffle hunters? I did not. I had to review this for film week. This is the wackiest dump. These people, I mean, look, it's good. <laughs> it's, it, it is, but it's about, it's about people whose job is to basically find truffles. And what a, what an awful, you know, they got their dogs and they're sniffing out truffles in the forest. And it's just, I can't think of a worse way to live your life. Pig. Speaking of pigs, they use dogs because, you know, that, yeah. that, 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 that Nick Cage movie. Yeah. The pig. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Um, Apocalypse 45, the extended director's cut, uh, is, is, you know, just devastating, especially now in times of war again. This is, this is all about the, the conclusion of World War II, which I hope we don't, aren't starting to relive again. But, um, this is all new footage, uh, narrated by two dozen survivors, uh, from the end of the war who are, are sort of mm. putting their stories to the, the pictures that you see it's a, it's very personal it's very intimate it's all, all unseen previously unseen footage mm. and uh, really really nicely put together very very powerful yeah. yeah um and then lastly here we finally have on blu-ray thanks to uh, vci and uh, mvd chariots of the gods tim eric <laughs> von daniken's chariots of the gods how do we feel about this film 50 years later well, you know, uh, it, it 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 still plays i suppose uh, I mean, like, <laughs> you know what it was when look when I was five years old watching this, and uh, von Daniken is is showing all of this archaeological stuff and pyramids and Easter Island and hieroglyphs and you know and 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 making the case and with all this juxtaposition and stories yeah. from the Bible that aliens have visited the Earth. The story of of Elijah going to heaven was yeah. a spaceship. This yeah. picture on a cave painting is a spaceship. This is an alien. Aliens built the man. When I was five, that was the greatest thing in well, the world. This movie gave 
at birth to an entire industry of films. It's right up head. to what ancient aliens and mysteries. Oh, yeah. ancient mysteries we're still and doing it. Unsolved we're mysteries, all that stuff with it. Yeah. yeah. So this, but it kind of all begins here. Uh, there. So yeah, it, it, it plays exactly like it did a hundred years ago. What about live at Mr. Kelly's? Did you, I, I thought I saw that on. Oh the, yeah. Yeah. Live at Mr. Kelly's. Sure. Which was, which, which was, which was just a fantastic doc about this place. Uh, Mr. It's really two places, London house and Mr. Kelly's was a club. Well, the Chicago, right? I think so. Yeah, right. It was, uh, yeah. It was just this wonderful, wonderful uh, restaurant nightclub where everyone gathered. Kind of think of Playboy After Night, that Hugh Hefner show. Uh, yeah. Mr. Kelly's is the place where everybody went after they taped that Hugh Hefner show. And it yeah. was, and it was, and it was actually that. The Hugh Hefner, that was a set, you know, you know, with people kind of, but Mr. Kelly's was the actual joint. And you just had all of the great comedians. And, and again, it was just this wonderful place. Um, uh, black and white and Jewish and men and women and, 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 and all of Dick Gregory. And it, it's just fantastic. So, Herbie Hancock and Barbara Streisand yeah. and Bob, Bob and Newhart. the music. Let's not forget the music. Yeah. Bette Midler and Richard Pryor. And it's just, everybody, everybody's just showing up there. They're just hang. It's, it's, it's a great, celebrity hangout and it's i never knew about this you know yeah. i have no idea because it basically kind of ended in the 70s so this was this is something that was going on when i was watching outer space or uh, uh, chariots of gods and outer space connection so <laughs> i wasn't i wasn't in all these people at the time but it's it's nice to see everybody really young you know and yeah and, and steve, steve martin when he had dark hair <laughs> it's, it's wild people? How many people? Because you know, we think of places, you know, particularly being you know from from LA, we think of the comedy store and and, and yeah. the Laugh Factory. That we talk, but there were places all over in the Midwest that, that that drew a certain crowd of people: Johnny Carson and Dick Cavett. Club culture, and, and club, club culture. culture. Yeah, you know, yeah. And Tom Dresden, those kind of guys. Neat, 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 neat speech, uh, neat uh, documentary that is. Uh, I'm going to do a little listener mail thing here, real quickly, just as an interlude. So we got a great, we got a great email from. Uh, from Al Lai, who, who writes us often, and uh, he, he asked me a real funny thing in email, and I thought it'd be fun to share on the show. So he uh, first off, Ed Lauder or Kevin Dobson? Uh, Ed Lauder. Uh, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, Ed Lauder. Those are two two character actors. Go look yeah. them up. Uh, you, you've seen them in absolutely <laughs> oh, <yeah>. everything. <laughs> you have. But uh, yeah, I agree. Ed, Ed Lauder for sure. He has the you know the bald head and is much more <laughs> yeah. uh, much more intimidating guy. Okay, uh, next one: Bonnie Franklin or Linda Lavin or Nancy Dussow? Ooh, that one's tougher. Um, uh, you know, because I love me some Linda Lavin. Yeah. Uh, Alice. Uh, Alice, right? A neighbor of mine, by the way. Oh, really? St still. Yeah, still. Uh, you see her bouncing around every once in a while. Uh, uh, she shows up. She shows up in Being the Ricardos for the first time in many, many years, it. by uh, the way. But Bonnie but, Franklin was, of course, the mother to Valerie Bertinelli. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and then... So just because just that juxtaposition, because me and Valerie Bertinelli, we had a thing going there. Yeah. So I think I might have to be, go with Bonnie Franklin just because. See, I got to go with Nancy Dussault because she oh. had to put up with Ted Knight and Jim J. Bullock yeah. uh, on Too Close for Comfort. So I think that was a heavy lift. She 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 held it down. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, and then the, the last one, uh, Robert Blake or Robert Wagner. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, look, uh, Robert Blake actually killed somebody. <laughs> so, well, according, according to Lana Wood, so did Robert Wagner. Yeah, so. he, we, he was never convicted. Blake yes. went to jail. <laughs> so, yes. so we know he killed somebody. Wagner, hey, um, you know, um, 
Beretta, though, you know, Beretta, you know, I know. Uh, and of I course, know. and of course, uh, in the, cold the, blood, in cold blood, that he was Robert Blake is far and away the better actor. That's for sure. I, I you know, no doubt about that. Well, I guess I don't know. Maybe you don't agree. Uh, you know what? Uh, Robert Blake is is far and away the better actor. But Bob Wagner, for me, is Jonathan Hart and Prince Valiant. And he married Natalie Wood twice. Mm-hmm. I know Lana thinks he killed her, but nonetheless, uh, he's not convicted. So as far as I'm concerned, he's somebody that Natalie Wood loved twice. Yeah. That's enough for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm good with that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, what are we going to dip into now? I was looking at those 4Ks. Yeah, let's do it. Um, Looper, is that, the, is that the movie or the series? Sure is. No, it's the, it's the movie. It's the movie with, with Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing his very, very best uh, Bruce Willis impression. Yeah. Um, and, and, which and is playing, pretty darn good. Playing Bruce Willis better than Bruce Willis, who's also in that movie. <laughs> uh, and, and, and that might be the last, quote-unquote, real Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, it, 20, it was 2012. I think this might be the last real. Bruce yeah, it's the last one before he started doing the the grindstone paydays and yeah. pulling it in. Uh, yeah. and, and and anyway, it, 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 it's one of my favorite. It's one of my favorite uh, time uh, travel, uh, time whatever uh, uh, movies. It really, really is. I love the way yeah. they do time travel and Looper. Basically, uh, somebody gets in this thing. It kind of looks like a chicken cage, and they shake the camera. And boom, <laughs> they're, they're, they, yeah. they've, they've traveled. They open up the chicken cage and they've traveled in time. And they and that's as deep as they get into it. <laughs> so that's what I love about Looper. That yep. and Looper, though it's sci-fi and action and drama, Looper is really just a love story. That's really all it is. It is. Love story. And Emily Blunt is great in it's it. And in this it. is the movie that got Ryan Johnson the Star Wars gig. So, yeah. um, you know, but and he's off doing his, his, his you know, whodunits now for Netflix. But mm-hmm. still... Um, Pretty terrific film. Really pretty terrific film. Uh, Joe Gordon Levitt and Bruce Willis playing the same person, you know, uh, at odds with himself across time. Really, really uh, very, very cool. Catwoman Hunted mm. is um, a DC animated movie on 4K. Their 4K DC stuff always looks really, really good. This is coming out now with, you know, Matt's new Batman mm-hmm. film, which mm-hmm. also has Catwoman in it coming out soon. Mm-hmm. Um so it'll be be interesting to see. I mean, I like the the take on Selena in in uh, in this one in particular uh, because it's all about it's it's not um, it's not Batman. It's it's Catwoman, and uh, so it it's it gets to be a little bit darker and and kind of introduce some other characters in a very very interesting way. And I like some. I think it's fine. A lot of great voices. You got Kelly Hugh, and you got. Keith David and you got Jonathan Frakes, great voices in there. You know, yeah. particularly if you happen to know those, Keith David just can't miss his, you know, he's, but you kind of got to really be into Catwoman to, to yeah. kind of get into it. It's, it's very, it's very much rooted in Catwoman lore. Yeah. Um, Resident Evil, welcome to Raccoon City. Why is this still going, Tim? Well, I, I, you know, I, there it is, right? Why is this still going? And uh, I mean, this is like, I've lost track. They don't even number them anymore. There are so many Resident Evil movies. This is it's, not a, not a, what, what was her name that was in all those movies? Oh, Mila Jovovich. Yeah. Mila Jones, this is not. Yeah, Mila, no, she 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 Mila. tapped out years yeah. ago. Yeah, uh, and yeah, this there is. More yeah, they're still they're they're now we're back to to Raccoon City, which you wouldn't even know was a thing unless you've seen all the previous films. So I guess this is just for people who who you know are hooked on. But what, does this warrant a four K? <laughs> It's kind of it's you know it's an all new cast. None of them are really recognizable. I guess they they figure the the brand now transcends everything else. But um, anyway, movie, movies anywhere. 
codes for all of these. The uh, Green Mile. Do I see the Green yeah. Mile? Yeah. Yeah, Green Mile and 4K. Wow, man. That was 99. Uh, uh, Frank Darabont uh, adapting Stephen King and oh, the, the great Michael Clark Duncan, of course, you know. Oh, that, you know look, this is I, – I, I always appreciated the Green Mile more than I liked it. I didn't really, you know – but it was it was a it was a hell of an adaptation. It's no Shawshank Redemption. That's the thing. It's I think everybody kind of I, and I was one of them. And I want to be fair to this film because you you Darabont peaked with Shawshank and then went straight downhill. Yeah. And we you know then it was like whatever that Jim Carrey movie was the with the theater. What was that thing? Oh called? yeah was, yeah yeah. I feel, yeah, yeah. The, the Impossible or something like that. And and you know none of these movies lived up to Shawshank. And so we really kind of all dumped on them without realizing that Shawshank is like a once in a in a millennium kind of movie. Yeah. yeah. And and because this was also based on a Stephen King short story, I think everybody thought, oh, it's going to go in the same place, and it doesn't. It, it it almost can't. But there's a lot of good stuff in this, and um. I don't even see how you make this movie without Michael Clark Duncan. I, no. I just don't. He's, no. you know, it's, it, it, so there's a lot to be said for this. And, um, you know, um, Michael Clark Duncan just, he, he's that gentle giant with that voice that lives in a register that no human vocal cords <laughs> should even be able to get to. Uh, and, and, and he yet also such an amazing actor because there's so much sensitivity to that, that giant hulking frame of his. Um, you just, you can't, you know, you can't you can't find that but once in a generation. Yeah. And that he makes the movie. It's not Tom Hanks, it's Michael Clark Duncan who makes the yep. movie. Yep, that's so true. That's true. Some some uh, some decent extras on here. Darabont does a commentary and um it's it's very, very good. Of all of these, I gotta say, I feel like Resident Evil and Catwoman don't necessarily earn the four K. Looper does. Looper yep. really earns it. Green Mile um, I think it could and should have been a better transfer, but they're working with, with some, some older elements, but parts of it look really, really dazzling. And, um, it, you know, the blacks are just really super crisp in some of these scenes. Look, Green Mile could have helped itself out. That movie's over three hours, a little bit over three hours long. I know. It, it could have helped itself <laughs> out. You know, yeah, you, dude, cut an hour of this out of here, you know, but whatever. Uh, let me mention some, some Flickr Alley stuff. If I could, we, we've had this kind of sitting around for a few weeks. And, uh, you know, Flickr Alley it has a great library of old silent classics for the most part. There's some really, really wonderful stuff here. Uh, so I, sh- I want to put this on people's radar. This is Francis X. Bushman is a uh, film by Lon Davis. And um, this is from the uh, the Niles SNA Silent Film Museum. He, the... Uh, Francis X. Bushman is probably somebody that's just completely and totally unknown to anybody. And that's why you should probably expose yourself <laughs> to this because yeah. it's, it's a, what it does is it's a really interesting documentary that goes and it digs up all of this archival material um, to, to kind of resurrect this guy who was a, a big silent actor, but didn't make it to the sound era and, you know, has been completely and totally forgotten uh, in time. And there are pieces and, uh, you know, some complete films of some of his previous uh, films. And then there are, are um, things that he did when, you know, he was no longer able to make movies. He was able to certainly do some radio. For example, there's a there's a 1957 CBS radio drama that he narrates here. Mm. So you hear his voice, but you see him in all this other stuff from 1913, 14, 1911. Um, you know, it really kind of... It's 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 a it's a fascinating career, and it's a it's a very sobering look at what can happen to somebody when, um, when the world just changes on your watch, and yeah. your your career suddenly can't 
can't keep up with the times. Mm. Happened to so many actors. Um, Julien Duvivier in the 1920s, Cinema of Discovery. Uh, Duvivier, really a, a kind of an amazing and very prolific filmmaker. And this is uh, mostly 1920s, couple of 1930s films that he made. Um, uh, I, I love Duvivier stuff. Not everybody does. Tim, I don't know if you're necessarily into, into some of this stuff, but... Mm. Um, it's, it's, it's really, really, uh, uh, it's significant because he pioneered a lot of techniques that, uh, that live on and that were very much ahead of their time and, uh, wonderful movies here, including the Maelstrom of Paris, which is great from 1928. Uh, the mystery of the Eiffel Tower made the same mm. year. Um, the, uh, the movies from the 1930s are mother hummingbird and ladies paradise. Also very, very good. And uh, it includes the uh, the earliest of these films, 1926's Carrot Top, plus lots and lots and lots of extras, uh, video appreciations and a booklet and uh, really wonderful stuff. So yeah. that's yeah, there. Yeah. I like all that stuff with Gene Gabon. Uh, you know, yeah. 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 Uh, repeat Performance uh, is is a uh, an old uh, film noir from 1947 Ooh, yeah. that has been restored by the UCLA Film and Television Archives. That is absolutely terrific. Includes a, uh, a great introduction by a film historian and noir college noirchaeologist noirchaeologist Eddie Miller, which is really terrific. There is um, <coughs> excuse me. Mm. Uh, also, another cool noir: The Beast Must Die. Oh yeah. From uh, 1952, that's an Argentine noir, which is really, really terrific. That also includes some some wonderful extras, including in a conversation between uh, an Argentine film archivist and uh, the son of the film's director. Uh, an Argentine noir, I didn't even know it was a thing, but it's pretty great. Uh, in the Shadow of Hollywood is uh, highlights from Poverty Row. Poverty oh, yeah. Row, of course, was, you know, a... a uh, a, a term that applied these really cheap, quickly made movies that were, you know, in the early 1930s, early to mid 1930s, uh, that were made basically uh, for no money and primarily marketed to, uh, to you know, uh, various markets around the country that were that were out of the mainstream. Uh, and some some pretty decent films here. They're raw, you know, but uh, the crime of Dr. Crespi, Woman in the Dark, Black Page, Back Page, and uh, Midnight from 1934, mm. aka Call It Murder. And uh, the last ones here, uh, another another restored film noir, uh, The Bitter Stems. This is uh, also an Argentine noir film from 1956. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, that's, that one's not as good as the other one, but, but still pretty good. Uh, and then on the German front, we have uh, Waxworks from 1924, which is absolutely terrifying. This is a Paul Lenny uh, yeah. German expressionist movie that just, it makes my blood run cold. Um, the uh, The original German version has not survived. This is the English edition, uh, but it's still plenty chilling. And um, you know, uh, it, it'll it's it's the whole wax museum thing that just freaks me out. And then mm-hmm. F. W. Murnau's uh, Phantom. All of these are on Blu-ray. Phantom, of course, one of uh, Murnau's all-time great films. Uh, deeply underrated, made in 1922. You can get this here. This is a Blu-ray MOD. It's manufacturer on demand, so you're you, you can you can order it anytime from Flickr Alley. Just uh, go for all of these to FlickrAlley.com and uh, knock yourselves out. It's a it, they have a wonderful streaming service too. I have to say, Flickr Alley's streaming library is to die for. It's absolutely great. What else, Tim? Well, you want to go to do some TV? Yeah, let's do some TV. 
I see the I see the second what was it the second season of Stargirl uh, Stargirl uh, which I know people find this ridiculous but after Supergirl Stargirl is my favorite because <laughs> I'm getting, I'm getting a little tired of the Flash they need to go ahead and and wrap yeah. that up. Yeah, they do. Uh, 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 but the, but the Star Girl has sort of dragged me, dragged me along. I I love, I love all the ones that have a the sort of sassy teenage girl kicking ass uh, in them. So second season of Star Girl is kind of fun. I, I like her outfit. Uh, yeah, that's so wicked cool. That you know, of course she she has that staff. It's the the narrative in that show is kind of all over the place. I must admit, <laughs> yeah, it is. You just really have no idea what the hell's going on. And, and you're never quite sure. Like it's, it's this set in modern times or it's set in the fifties. What's, you know, with the car and all that. Luke Wilson. Uh, but I, in any case, I dig it. I, I, and I can't wait for, uh, for the next season. So second season of star girl. Kind of cool. Yep. Yep. I also like that, uh, that Solomon Grundy is a character in this. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's I, I nerd out over that kind of stuff. Uh, um, uh, Power, Power Book 3, Raising Canaan, the complete first season uh, from Stars. Uh, you know, Power Book continues to be a really, really uh, interesting, interesting, this is Lionsgate produced, but, you know, the, the, the various books of Power Book are, are, um, are, are really interesting. Uh, this is a, this is, this all takes place in uh, Jamaica, Queens in 1991. It's a prequel to the, uh, the Power series. Uh, in that larger kind of universe franchise and uh, some pretty, pretty rough stuff, but there's some great performances here. They find some really, really good young actors and uh, it's, you know, it's all, it's all heavy, intense street level, uh, you know, surviving in the street stuff. But um, the, the, the family relationships are what drive this. And uh, I, I like how they've kind of expanded this universe and, um, and brought in all of these different characters and relationships. It's been, it's been really Quite a thing to watch. Very, very smart writing. Mm. I watched Legacies, believe it or not. I kind of fell into watching Legacies. Uh, now I, in its third season. Yeah, now in its third season. We're looking at it right there. And, I, and, and it, 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 it took me till the third season to figure out what the hell is going on yeah. <laughs> in this show. But the reason why I watch it is because the, the, the central character, this girl, her name is Hope, whatever. And she is the daughter of a vampire slash werewolf hybrid. And I'm like, oh, you know, boy. now that's the, that's a hell of a mashup <laughs> <laughs> right there. She just goes around so like kicking everybody's ass. It's, it's kind of funny, whatever. Anyway, I dig legacies. Uh, I, I just kind of like the way it's put together. So what do we got here? Season, uh, season three, season three, season three. Uh, season three. And I think television, I think it's on season four right now on television, but on as TV. far as the, the, the disc releases here, we're, yeah. in, we're in season three. Um, this thing heals the complete first season. Um, so this is a stars show nowhere at all on my radar until mm. this thing turned up, uh, mm. uh, on our doorstep here. Uh, so this is about small town pro wrestling, yeah. which I was exposed to a little bit in that David Arquette doc. Yeah. yeah when David yeah. Arquette decides that he wants to become a pro wrestler, which he does, it's a great doc. It's just so weird. He goes to the small town wrestling circuit to do it. These are guys who do not make a living at anything, least of all wrestling. They yeah. do it because they set the crap up in somebody's backyard and they hurt each other yeah. because they love it. It's just weird. Uh, but it's a circuit and there are people who actually make money on this, a little bit of money. It's like, it's like what, the, it's like what, what Rocky was doing at the beginning of Rocky. Yeah. Hey, do you want to make 50 bucks? Yeah. Come and do a, do a, yeah. It's that kind of thing. It's kind of like a feeder system. This show is kind of dramatic. It's about these two brothers. Yeah. And, uh, and and uh, and one of them, you know, in, in wrestling, you know, somebody's always the villain, somebody's always the hero, and yeah. one of them is the villain, the other one's the hero, and then they sort of like have that 
equivalent dynamic outside the ring. It's a, you know, it's a very, very dramatic show. Very dramatic. Well, I like their names, Jack Spade and Ace Spade. Those are the brothers. And uh, it's, uh, it is, it is a, it is a really fascinating backdrop for a show. I got to admit it's uh, I never would have expected that. Yeah, uh, we got another Ultraman here. Ultraman zero, oh. the Chronicle. I have decided I can't tell any Ultraman dif- uh, from any other Ultraman. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I can't. They have, all these shows bleed into each other, like Power Rangers shows. They all kind of look the same. It's like the horns and the colors are different, but everything else is the same. I, I can't make heads or tails of it. But I guess if, you, if you've if you stuck with this thing for this long, um, you know, knock yourselves out. But uh, I, don't, I don't know. It's it's it's. It's gone on too long for me. I still love the original Ultraman. Oh, the original Ultraman. That's the that's the one. That's the only one I can you know, Yeah, the live action thing, not not those animated things. Uh, let's look at some of the foreign stuff. I see La Dolce Vita. What the hell is that up with that? Oh hey, yeah. What are we doing? So Blue Ray. Yeah. Oh, 4K. You know, it's uh, Blu-ray. Okay. And uh, La Dolce Vita is on Blu-ray at long last, thanks to Paramount. I don't know how Paramount wound up with La Dolce Vita. It's a little bit weird, but it's a decent transfer. Not great. Should be better. Has no extras whatsoever other than ah. an introduction by Martin Scorsese. Ah. That's what's a little frustrating. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm grateful for it, but I kind of feel like uh, Criterion should do their thing. <laughs> Criterion really belongs uh, on the case there. They did not necessarily do right by this. That we need we need something else. Um, Got, do have some other interesting stuff in foreign though here. Uh, Blaise Moi, uh, that film from 2000, uh, which is real. I remember that movie being extremely intense oh, and that. kind of uh, controversial. Uh, more than more than controversial. It was like <laughs> yeah. it, people people were offended, deeply offended. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is um, this is about two women who go on a on a crime yeah. crime spree. I mean, yeah. it's sort of like. Uh, I spit on your grave with two women instead of one and with a lot of French art film credentials, but it's a violent, yeah. and it's amoral and uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's intense. Um, the, I, I will say this, you know, um, it, there's a really good commentary on here by Kat Ellinger who does a ton of these for, for Kino yeah. and, and she uh, really does address it in detail rather extensively. And it's, it's, it's quite good. Uh, it goes in all of the, you know, what what's controversial what's not what yeah it's 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 pretty thorough and uh, you know make up your own minds but there's also a 40 minute documentary on here with interviews that, that kind of try to smooth a lot of that over i wonder but, yeah, I, I wonder that, that's 22 it's years natural ago. born killers with two women with two yeah. women that's 22 years ago right i haven't yeah. seen that movie in 22 years but i remember that entire conversation and how but i wonder if now uh, that movie exactly as constituted 22 years ago would even, you know, if we would be talking about any of it. I wonder if we would. I, I, I kind of think maybe not. And then uh, Ryosuke Hamaguchi, who did Drive My Car mm-hmm. and is Oscar nominated at present, uh, actually made two films in one year, believe it or not. Yes, the three three hour movie, but also made this two hour movie called Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy, which is also out now on Blu-ray from um, 
film movement. And this this won the Silver Bear at the uh, Berlin Film Festival. Mm. It got the jury prize. So, I mean, he made two highly acclaimed movies in one year, five hours worth, uh, which is quite a feat and uh, really kind of a career topper. What's funny is in our in our LAFCA meeting, so our good friend um, uh, Bob Strauss, mm. who is just so deadpan and wonderful. I, I dearly love Bob. Bob, Bob always – Bob will – go kind of get a bee in his bonnet and and he'll keep going back to a certain well and through the whole meeting he kept he kept reminding everybody that uh, Hamaguchi's best film was actually Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. I know you all love Drive My Car, but well, I'm gonna Wheel Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy. And it was like every five or ten minutes, Bob would be like, was "Wheel of Fortune and Fantasy." He'd remind everybody. So this is uh, if you like Drive My Car, I think you will like this. I actually agree with Bob. I like this better. I think mm. it's a better film. I think it's a tighter film. I think it's a more interesting story. Uh, it's, uh, you know, it's, a it's, a it, it, it has his kind of interesting subdued oddness to it. Um, you have to kind of get into his groove, into his, into his, his, you know, into his, uh, his world, his universe, his way of seeing things, it's, but it's, it's, it's his pace. It's, it's what pace. It really That's is. a great way of putting there's it. A, yeah. There's a pace and you have to just sort of like let yourself slide into that pace and then it can, yeah. But it, it really is. This is a this is a really interesting uh, character piece, and you know, love triangle with some very unusual, almost surrealistic edges to it. It's quite good. Mm. Mm. Uh, that lucky Luciano I, film is that, was, is that the nineteen seventy three film? Uh, uh, oh, Italian yeah, film? yeah. Yes, film. it is. It's a nineteen seventy three Italian film. Uh, yeah, it, it's which which I had not seen before, and uh, it's it's a. It's a little bit odd because, you know, Lucky Luciano showed up in a ton of American movies in like the 80s and 90s, mm, right? Mm. I mean, there was a lot of stuff from Bugsy to uh, what else was there? There was like Billy Bathgate. Mm. I mean, there were a whole bunch of them that had a, a variety of people playing Lucky Luciano. I think, I think, uh, um, didn't, didn't Ben Kingsley play him in, oh, uh, yeah. in, in Bugsy? Yeah. And you know, oh, yeah, I mean, Meyer Lansky, I, but yeah, something like that. Yeah. It might have been Meyer Lansky. Might have been Meyer Lansky. After, I, you know, I can't keep track of who yeah. plays. <laughs> yeah. Somebody played Lansky. Somebody played, get mobsters. It was mobsters where yeah. they're all young. With, yeah. with with yeah. So there's like a whole bunch of them where there are you know, a lot of people playing all. It's, it's look Bugsy Meyer and Lucky. They're in all these movies. Anyway, this is the one I had never seen. Yeah, uh, which is because this is an Italian film, but Vincent Gardina shows up in it, uh, which which I thought was kind of interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I, like, I love Francesco Rossi. I think he's one of the great filmmakers of the last fifty years. Uh, I, I, it, it's a, it, it's a very interesting take. Uh, it's just sort of not what you expect. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. I mean, it, uh, it kind of starts in nineteen forty six, and uh, he's, you know, getting out of, out of, he's, he's out of prison, and he goes back to Sicily. Yeah, and which is and, why you have and, all these interesting Italian actors, Sicilian actors. Ex yeah, and but, and as you know, and that's where he kind of you know resurrects his his life in Sicily. So I mean, yeah, so it's it's about a particular episode in Luciano's life, and um, it's not all of that American stuff. No, say, but, but you still get Rod Steiger and Edmund O'Brien. You do, <laughs> so, yeah, you, know, you do, and Vincent Gardini. Vincent Gardini, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, so so I mean, yeah, you 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 know, it it kind of skirts two different uh, two different styles. It's shot very very raw and rough in a kind of a documentary style, but um, it, yeah, you know, it's 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 an unusual movie. I'm still not quite sure what I think of it, to yeah. be honest. Mm. Interesting. I was wondering if it was that one. It, it is indeed. And uh, let me let me pull another one out here. Uh, the Unknown Man of Chandigarh mm. is by Jean Louis Roy. 
this is uh, really, I mean, most people have probably never heard of either uh, Jean-Louis Roy or this movie. So let me kind of frame this for you. This is a, um, this is a cold war uh, spy thriller mm. that was uh, made in the middle of 1960s. And uh, many people thought this was lost and uh, it's kind of been lovingly restored courtesy of the French Cinematheque and given, you know, brought back as close to possible to its original glory, found a lot of the original elements and, and really did this. It's, it's, it's a little bit uh, stark and weird. It's, I mean, the, like the notes on this thing, compare it to uh, Dr. Strangelove, Alphaville, <laughs> Dr. Who and the Avengers. Those are the, those are the, 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 and when you, when I, you know, you read that and you go, none of that stuff fits together. That, that makes no sense at all. If you were to say this, like, well, it's a little bit of Godar meets uh Kubrick meets the Avengers on TV and then with a dash of Doctor Who I I'm just going to I'm going to I'm just going to take a sleeping pill and, and leave this <laughs> That doesn't make any sense. But it but when you see it you it does kind of like it has some dark comedic edges. It also has a little bit of surrealism to it and there is a satirical edge. And it's a really really interesting film especially now that we're living through a possible new uh Cold War. And uh, Jean-Louis Roy, not a, not a filmmaker who was ever necessarily on my, um, on my radar, but I will say it's a really interesting cast, too, which includes Serge Gensburg mm. in the cast, mm. which is, you know, always, always nice to see Serge. But, uh, but, yeah, it's worth checking out. The Unknown Man of Shandigor, S-H-A-N-D-I-G-O-R. It's, it's worth, a, worth a look, a curious little long-lost uh, movie. Um, we got some, got some new movies here. Tim, let's get into let's, – let's talk about King Richard for a second because oh, we, we yeah. teased it earlier. Yeah, and, uh, you know, they nominated uh, Best Picture, uh, Director Ronaldo, not nominated for Best Director, yeah. you know, that we Actor. talked about that a little bit. That, uh, yeah, supporting uh, Actress. Best Supporting Best. Actress. Yes, exactly, which would be interesting uh, if Will were to win – and uh, uh, oh, 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 what's your name? It's uh, it's it's it'll pop in my head in a second. Uh, were to also win. Angelina Ellis. Angelina Ellis. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, she was in Soul Man. <laughs> she was just really great. So, and, and that would be that would be a, that 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 might present an interesting moment, not unlike the moment that Denzel and Halle. Uh, both yeah. won. I guess back in whatever two thousand. Um, so that that might present an interesting moment. Here's here's what I here's what I genuinely genuinely love about the movie, and I think I, you know I think there is some bitterness about movies that have gone straight to streaming, but I you know which is why I don't think uh, you know Campion's film is going to win because there's a lot of bitterness about Netflix not putting movies into theaters. But Warner Brothers is still a theatrical company, and they are under their new ownership committed to putting movies into theaters. So uh, I think I think that's going to uh, bode well for this, but also because people love Will Smith. But you know what? It's a great story. This yeah. is the kind of when we talk about what's wrong with the Academy Awards, uh, like why they don't have why nobody watches. It's because they don't. The studios generally are not making and marketing and pushing movies like this. This is the kind of movie that they used to make routinely in the oh, 1970s sure. and 80s and 90s yeah. that would get a ton of Oscar nominations. And you would release this into three, four thousand screens. And it was not a streaming movie. And if it weren't for COVID, it, this probably would be, you know, this probably would have made 110, 20, 30 million dollars in theatrical release. And, and it should have. Um, but this is what we should be talking about. These kinds of movies. Why mm. is Paramount not making this kind of a movie? Why is Universal not making this kind of a movie? Why won't Disney make this kind of a movie and put it into theaters? 
That's the problem is that the companies that have the pipeline to theaters are not making the kinds of movies that the Academy wants to nominate. Warner Brothers does. Not as much as we want them to, but they do. And this is one of them. Dune is another. But mm-hmm. I, I really think, uh, I, 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 you know, I really, really tip my hat to Warner Brothers for getting behind this movie because it's just, it's heartfelt and wonderful. And it, and it captures so many great pieces of this story. And it tells it so accurately and so well. Because it doesn't gloss over anything. This is the story. This mm-hmm. is the story of Venus and Serena and their dad. It really is. Mm. It doesn't yeah, make absolutely. anything up. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's, it's pretty straightforward. What's interesting about that movie to me, it's a movie called King Richard, King Richard. The, the movie really ought to be, be called the Venus Williams story. Venus is the central focus of, yeah. and, 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 and particularly once we start playing tennis um, and, and, you know, and what's going, because, you know, that's just the way that story played out. Um, uh, uh, but nevertheless, uh, a good movie, uh, for sure, for sure, for sure. Uh, while at the same time, uh, uh <laughs> Ghostbusters Afterlife, uh, was, oh was, my goodness. you know, that's a big old studio movie and, you know, Jason, you know, uh, and, 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 and here's, and here's Dan. And of course, um, we lost, uh, Harold a while ago and, yeah. uh, and, uh, so, you know, I don't know. I don't, it, it, and what's funny is. People were all sort of like uh, funky about that girl Ghostbusters, you know. Yeah. Girl Ghostbusters. Yeah, fuck it, and like, oh, yeah, get our own, get, get our Ghostbusters back. Uh, and, uh, you know, well, you got your Ghostbusters back. And you know what? They suck. Uh, because the, yeah. the, it, the Ghostbusters were two fabulous movies made in the 80s and we're done now. Uh, yeah, unless you want I to count, agree. Unless you want to count that cartoon. I, I I really think they just kept going. This this goes to the well needlessly. Oh, what everybody's back, try- but it didn't make any difference. Well, yeah, everybody's back. Well, but what it really tries what it tries to do is it tries to be a Ghostbusters movie at the same time that it's a Stranger Things movie. Mm, mm, it kind of it, mm. it sort of wants to be Stranger Things imposed on Ghostbusters, and it doesn't doesn't work. I mean, I love Paul Rudd. I love yeah. Paul Rudd, um, but it just there's something not quite right about this. And um, yeah, I, I, it's too bad. It's really unfortunate. Uh, did you see the three five five? I did. I oh did. Oh my gosh! And, and look, hey, first of all, Simon. Uh, yeah, Simon's a hell of a producer. Simon's produced a whole bunch of really important films that you all would know. But every now and again, he wants to direct something. He directed. He directed that Phoenix version of the uh, of the X Men. Uh, X Men yeah. Phoenix or something like that, which of course yeah. is the worst of the of, of the X Men film. And this one here, you know, he has you, know, you got Jessica and Penelope and 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 Bing Bing and and, and, and Jessica produced this. And Jessica produced and and they're and they're doing the whole the whole secret agent thing, and the and, and the women are all the badass secret agents in this thing. But here's the, it's just you know it's just this big mess. Uh, of a movie. And, yeah. it, and it begins with this. This is the way this movie opens. You have this kid, right? The kid, he's invented this device, this little code that's on this hard drive. And he, and he, and he, and he looks at the bad guy. Uh, the guy who's going to be the bad guy. He just says, I, I have this code on this hard drive. And with this code, I can bring down nations. I can take yeah, airplane out. Yeah. He, pull, he, he takes the airplane out. Of the guy, and, and he says, I'm the only one that has it. And this is the only one. <laughs> and I thought to myself, really? You're going to say that right to this guy? <laughs> and, and the guy says, so you're the only one that, that can do it. And that's the only one. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, it is. So the guy oh, shoots man. him in the head. <laughs> it takes it, and I'm like, seriously, 
That's got to be the dumbest moment. <laughs> I would have shot him. I would have shot him in the head and took it. <laughs> so, you know, but anyway, whatever. Uh, but I appreciate the the idea is, you know, just make this sort of big action, uh, run, a, yeah. run around, shoot him up with, with the ladies running around and shoot stuff up. So, you know, whatever. If you're not doing anything else, throw it on in the background. It won't bother you. I, yeah, I, I just, I, but here's the other thing. I think you could, look, if you're going to put these five actresses in a movie, yeah. and we're talking about Diane Kruger, Penelope Cruz, Jessica Chastain, Lupita Nyong'o, and Bing Bing Fon. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're putting those five actresses in a movie, I'm going to argue that you should make all five of them look as fabulous as you possibly can in every single oh, frame. Yeah. And I don't think they do. No, no. I think no, no. I think he. I think I think uh, Diane Kruger, Jessica Chastain, and, Lup- and Lupita do not look great through much of this movie. No, he just no. Tries, like, he tries to. They're like housewives. Them up. <laughs> they're like housewives. Yeah, he tries to frump them up, <laughs> and and Bing Bing Fon not great either. Like Penelope Cruz looks fabulous through the whole movie. She's the only one. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's a problem. Make um, all five of them look fabulous. Hey, you know why? Because we make because Bond needs to look fabulous. Too. Yes, the, you know, hey, put that tux on. Uh, who, that's it, Craig or whoever the next one is. Uh, the protege. Um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, Martin Campbell here. I don't know. What do you think about? I, first of all, Maggie Q. Love me some Maggie Q. Michael Keaton and Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, in this film, it's one of those. It's one of those movies where I just know that at a given moment, X number of years ago, this would have been a big old hit film. Uh, yeah, it would have been. The, and by the way, this is this this is available on 4K. Oh, I should yeah. have set this aside for the 4K coverage, but didn't didn't think to. So anyway, that caveat out of the way. Yes, the the protege. Um, you're right. It would have been it would have been a big old like massive release. Uh, Back in the 90s, yeah. this would have been huge. I mean, can you imagine uh, Samuel Jackson and Michael Keaton and Maggie Q in, like, the 1990s? Yeah. It would have been amazing. Yeah, it was, it was yeah. And I like no. it, too. I like that movie. It was cool. No, it is. It's good. Uh, you know, I just – it uh, for some reason, it just doesn't get the traction now that it would have then. Perhaps because it's Lionsgate and they don't they don't go out – you know, they don't throw the, the – the big party, like some of the studios do, but yeah. uh, Martin Campbell still he still got it. I mean, that's he. They should they should bring him back for another James Bond movie or two. He's still he still really really nails these things. Very mm-hmm. very good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good audio talk, good audio audio commentary with Martin Campbell too. Uh, smart guy. I'm glad he's still he's still making stuff. Uh, a couple of uh, kitty sort of oriented things here. Adam's Family Two, yeah. the animated version. Um, some good voice work here. Bill Hader and Oscar Isaac, Charlie Theron, Bette Midler. Uh, Snoop Dogg is it. It's the weirdest damn thing ever. Um, uh, <laughs> Chloe Moretz. Um, but I, you know what? I just, I don't know. The the CG animation, 3D animation for Adam's Family doesn't, I, I don't know. It just, it doesn't quite work for me. But it is what it is, I mm. guess. You know, if you like the first one, you'll like that one. And then Clifford the Big Red Dog. Mm. So if you've seen Dave Chappelle's latest Netflix special, You'll understand why I cannot see anything with Clifford in it ever again. Yeah. Because Dave does a whole Clifford thing that that gives it a whole new context. So yeah. now when I look at Clifford, I just think of Chappelle's shtick. Yeah. But um, the the I also have to say Clifford should should be remain an animated thing. Taking it taking a great big giant CGI red dog and making a live action movie about this thing and wasting the talents of of uh, of Keenan and and John Cleese. I uh, no, just don't do that. It's this is kind of an embarrassment. Badly written, badly scripted, really juvenile, 
and the visual effects are not that good. And again, you know, I, you, you, you start sticking people into these embarrassing cameos like Cleese and Keenan, and I'm, I'm really going to check out. I didn't like this movie at yeah. all. It is on Blu-ray for those of you who want to suffer from Paramount. Uh, Clifford the Big Red Dog is a animated series on PBS. That's what yeah, it should But does not need to. That's what yeah, it should stay. Awesome. Exactly. It's all good. Right yeah. Where it was. Um, anything host. else that what's, you're looking at? What is Superhost? Was, was that oh, Superhost? Was, 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 was that the Nutty Horror film? Superhost. Superhost. Where is Superhost? I think I, I, I think it was this horror film that, 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 that I saw about these bloggers uh, sort of roaming around. Uh, when they rather that's if, it was it was kind of an interesting little little horror movie. If it's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I, I, that may be on the on the release this week. I did I did not see it. Didn't okay. see it. Yeah. Um, I I was I was going to dip into the dry. Did you see the dry? No. What do we have there? So let me let me and I'll take us out on this. Uh, the dry is 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 worth a quick mention. Uh, this thing did not get nearly enough traction. It's an IFC Films release, so it didn't show up in too many theaters, and the pandemic screwed with it. But it's a this is a, a procedural thriller with Eric Bonnet. It's an Australian uh, uh, procedural thriller. Really, really, really good. It's very deliberately paced, but it's absolutely fascinating. Um, uh, Eric Bonnet is the Australian equivalent of an FBI agent. And, you know, they have their own kind of federal investigation operation. And uh, he is like a really, really, really sharp, uh, let's just say FBI agent, Aussie FBI agent. Um, but there's a but now uh, a childhood buddy of his has died. So he's got to mm. go back home to his like little outbacky, you know, place. And the dry is because it's like a, you know, a drought going on. And um and and he wants to get to the bottom of what happened with his buddy's death. And I I won't tell you the circumstances, but they're really gruesome circumstances surrounding his 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 buddy's death. And so he instead of just going to the funeral, he now turns investigator and starts turning up a whole lot of stuff that nobody wants him turning up. And a lot of this ties into his own childhood with this guy. And you get these flashbacks and you know, so it becomes not just a procedural, but it becomes like a self-exploration, like coming to grips with your demons. Um, it is so incredibly well done. I mean, really, really well directed uh, by Robert Connolly, who's a veteran of television and films. And, you know, he's an Aussie guy, never worked outside of Australia. Mm. You've probably never heard of him, but he's been doing stuff on television forever. So Robert Connolly uh, co-wrote it and directed it and does a hell of a job. It's really, really well done. And Eric Bonnet, it's maybe the best thing that he's acted in mm. years. So it's a nice discovery. The dry with Eric Bonnet, really, really worth, uh, worth, uh, worth a, a, it's a good find. Man, I've almost forgotten about Eric Bonnet. Man, that was great. I know, right? <laughs> I do, I do, I, I do see a couple of wicked criterions there. I see Miller's Crossing. Oh, yeah, yeah. You, you want, let, let's do, let's do criterion. Let's do the criterion. I see that Miller's Crossing right there, man. That's 1990. I'd forgotten about that. Joel and Ethan. Uh, of course, uh, who, who was, did Denzel's Macbeth by himself? Was it Ethan or Joel? I think it's Joel. It's a Joel. It's Joel. It's Joel. And, uh, and, 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 uh, yeah, I have not had a chance to get through all of the extras on these criterions yet. I would, but, but it, you know what? Let's, let's talk about them anyway. I mean, well, um, first of all, Miller's fucking crossing. All right. Just, let's just say that. One I know. That's gang. One of the things I loved about that is that it was Irish, uh, mostly yeah, Irish. Right. Irish mob. Yeah. Mob and not the Italian mob that we yep. were so used to, particularly in 1990, because we were coming yep. up on another one of those, uh, 
those Coppola films. Uh, oh, 50th anniversary of Godfather. That's we talked about that today. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 50th yeah, anniversary coming out. Coming out on 4K. The whole the whole thing is coming out on 4K soon. So yeah, uh, interesting thing. And with Gabriel Byrne and Albert Finney and John Turturro, this movie was just a wicked, wicked movie, man. Just one of the best. Find it in your heart. Oh, what is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was just so beautiful, so beautifully done. And it yeah. was in that little run that the Coens were having that included raising Arizona and Barden. Fink and the HUD oh, sucker yeah. proxy and it was and it was, it was, it was just this golden run. era. Oh man, oh man, it was oh, man. a golden run. Yeah. It was a golden run. And you know, I I was not fair to this film the first time I saw it, and and uh, I criticized it for being too complicated. What I should have said was. I'm not smart enough to understand this movie. <laughs> well, I don't know. It, it was, it's, 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 it's a wonderful movie. It's, 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 of course, it's an adaptation of Dashiell Hammett. Yeah. Um, so there's, you know, there's just, I don't know, the it, red but it is a true noir. It's a true noir in the sense that you have got to really pay attention to this movie. Like, don't just throw this thing on and expect to make sense of it. Put it on, sit down, grab a bowl of popcorn and some snacks, turn the lights out. And be prepared to think, yeah, because this 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 makes demands of you. You've got to see details and follow things. You got to be on it. Who's doing it? And, and and the reason why it's complicated, as you said, is because it's actually an adaptation of two different Dashiell Hammett novels, which I did not know together. at the time. Yeah, the uh, Red Harvest and Dashiell. So 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 it's a, so you know that's why it's a, such. A, but it's just so beautifully beautiful. Michael Jeter and so many people, Steve Buscemi, so many people in this movie that were just you know. Uh, well, there is a there is a, a conversation on here uh, between author Megan Abbott and the Coens about uh, the subject of film noir and and the inspiration of this uh, and and that I have watched and it's really really good and uh, and you know what a gosh, what a great movie and so nice mm. that that got the Criterion treatment. Um, other Criterions out: uh, Love Affair, the Leo McCary, the famous Leo McCary movie with Irene Dunn and Charles Boyer. Oh yeah. From 1939, one of the great 1939 movies that, that everybody always forgets about because there are like 25 of them. Um, <laughs> this is a wonderful movie. I have not there. There's some stuff on here that I, I really want to get to. There's an interview with Serge Bromberg, founder of Lobster Films, talking about the restoration of this thing that I'm really, really eager to get to. We talk about so, that, was, um, that was nominated for six or seven Oscars, if I'm not mistaken, talking about that, that, that kind of movie. That yeah, kind yeah. of movie. It's yeah. just, it is, it is a quintessential classic Hollywood uh, movie. It just, it, it just hits on all cylinders. It's really, really beautiful. And then there are a couple of radio adaptations and uh, two short films by Leo McCary on here with Charlie Chase, the famous uh, comedian. Mm. Uh, the other two criterions written on the wind, another great Hollywood classic. Uh, this one from the 1950s, Douglas Sirk film with rock Hudson, Lauren Bacall, Dorothy Malone and Robert Stack. Mm, mm. Uh, this is on Blu-ray. They're all on Blu-ray. What am I saying? Yeah. Um, and this one also comes with a 2008 documentary uh, that has a whole bunch of archival interviews in it with everybody involved. And then uh, this is the other one that I just literally got done watching yesterday. I'm so glad. Um, this includes some wonder wonderful contribution by our very, very good friend, uh, Justin Chang, who, you know, our good laugh colleague who wrote an essay here that is absolutely fantastic. And um, this is a, the movie is Boat People by mm. Anne Hoy, the famous Hong Kong director. This is made in 1982. Anne Hoy, a truly legendary figure, still making movies, um, The one of the all-time great Hong Kong new wave directors. Mm. I would love to see her get some, some greater recognition outside of Hong Kong for a change. It's never quite come to her. 
I've lobbied for it for a long time, but she is just a tremendous figure internationally mm. in, in, uh, and especially in Hong Kong film, but just as a world filmmaker, she's absolutely wonderful. Gave us and Andy both, Lau, gave us Andy Lau. And, and boat people, boat people is, um, the, uh, it, it looks at the, the situation of Vietnamese refugees, uh, in the wake of the Vietnam war. Mm. And it's just, it's an absolutely devastating, haunting, uh, heartbreaking uh, way of uh, approach to the subject matter. It it it's uh, it takes place years afterwards. And it's all seen through the eyes of, of George Lam, who is this this Japanese um, mm. photojournalist who goes to Vietnam and uh, and uh, through his relationship with this teenage girl played by Susan Ma, uh, he kind of gets to the root of what's really going on with the boat people. And it, it just, the way the story unfolds, it's like a beautiful flower. It's just, uh, it's tremendous. It, it just, it's hard hitting, but it's poetic at the same time. And uh, it's just so deeply meaningful. And, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you have to remember, this is 1982. We're only yeah. seven years and they're probably shooting in 1988. So we're only five, six, seven years uh, from, ah, the, that's from, right. from the Americans in, involved yeah. in, 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 in Vietnam. Yeah. So we're, we're nowhere. Uh, the, the, yeah. the, the, the arrival of refugees from various different diasporas are still, is still happening in the United States here, coming in from Cambodia, coming in from Laos, coming yep. in from from all kinds of places. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's tremendous. So watch, I'm going to say right now, watch the press conference from the Cannes Film Festival on here, which is, which is really wonderful. And please read Justin's essay because it's beautiful and yeah. he puts so much good work into it. Uh, well, that's, should we call it there, Tim? Let's call it. Let's call it. All right. Listen, everybody, um, go to uh, scpr.org or kpcc.org uh, if you are planning on being in Los Angeles on March 20th Sunday from 1 to 3 p.m. You can come and see Tim and me and all of our colleagues on stage at the Ace Theater uh, adjacent to the Ace Hotel in downtown Los Angeles for our first uh, live Oscar show, Film Week Oscar show in two years. It should be a grand bunch of fun. Mm -hmm. Until that time, we are hoping that the Academy will have a reconsideration of its, uh, <laughs> its dumb decision to sideline eight categories and, and show them, you know, tape taped in edited format during the show. Horrible decision. And uh, other than that, um, sending all of our, our, our thoughts and most earnest and fervent uh, prayers and feelings and everything else out to the people of Ukraine. Hopefully this nightmare ends soon. We, we have had listeners uh, to this podcast from Ukraine in the past and Belarus. And, uh, you know, it's uh, we, 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 are, we are thinking of you and hoping that the world returns to some level of stability very soon. All right, Tim, see you in a few weeks. Good work, brother.